Time for talking points then. We're going to pick up with what Paul Scully had to say uh, with his view on affordability checks. Dave, what did you take from that speech? I think that the, uh, th the most notable thing about Paul Scully's words were that over the last few weeks and months, and particularly in the last week, um, we've had various racing luminaries quoted in the, in the trade paper. You know, uh, John Gosden, as you said there, Stuart Williams was quoted, all with, with essentially saying very similar things, that affordability uh, checks, not only are they uh, essentially not fair, but they're also going to inflict huge damage on racing. The, the difference with this is that we've actually got someone from the government who's saying this is not what we want. The, the, he, he questioned the... the uh, the phrase uh, affordability checks, but the the, the telling the, the money shot quote for me was um, I'm reading it out. It is not the role of the government. It is not the role of the gambling commission to tell people how much of their salary they are allowed to spend on gambling. So, you know, essentially, people in racing. Well, we would say that, wouldn't we? That of course we don't believe that. Affordabil affordability checks are justified. We think that they are I intrusive. You don't have to prove, uh, take bank statements to um, purchase things in other areas of your life. Why should you have to do it when uh, you bet? Uh, but the important thing is this time it's come from the government and that is, I think, the, the, the telling development this week that, that someone from government is saying to the Gambling Commission this isn't the right way to go. And, and, and for horse racing in particular, the, 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 there have been a few figures put on just what it's going to, or potentially could cost the industry, but do we need to start doing something now to, to fasten up against what might be coming? Or, it, or, or it is now in some ways too late already? Um, I don't think it's ever really too late. I think, we've, I think the, um, the, the, the racing and the betting industries have... Uh, if this doesn't go our way, I don't think that many people would turn around and say, well, we didn't do enough. Some people might say we've actually done too much in that um, the, the perhaps it, the, that strength and volume of campaigning could have an adverse effect. But uh, as I say, I don't think that at the end of it would say not enough was done. The Clarence House Chase saw a horse win it that was supplemented yesterday in the form of editor De Giet. Um, one of the, the talking points we, ha we had last week, Noel, was um, whether or not it was right that it was only reopened to horses that were originally entered, given it was a, a different race track, and a week later as well. Um, what's your view? Should, should a, a, a race only be reopened to, to the horses that were originally entered, or, or, or should it just be a free-for-all, given it's a, a slightly different nature of a race? I think for a grade one like that, when it's a different track um, a week later... I think it's only right to open it again and, and let um, some other people come into it. If they, if they had three runners last week, and I think it was a good job they 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 gave the other horse the chance to come back into the race, it would have been it would have been a pretty of a non-event turning up yesterday to watch a three-runner race. Um, I think it was it was the right thing to do, yeah. And and for the horse that, or horses that could be supplemented, they were supplemented at a reduced fee as well. Yeah, I think that th there are two ways of looking at this. You can think say, well, it's the race was declared for Ascot. Those were the horses that stayed in. Those are the horses that, uh, you know, 
as of right, should be able to uh, contest that race, f f almost to reward them for, you know, I don't mean loyalty, but you know what I mean. They were there at the start. They should be allowed to contest the race without any Johnny-come-latelys coming in. The, the opposite view of that is what are we trying to do with British racing? Are we trying to put competitive, compelling uh, races on, especially at the top level, or are we not? And if we are, then there has to be... I think those who were there originally probably have to be prepared to take a little bit of a hit for the overall good of the sport. We, we, we knew that going into Ascot last week that three runners, was, uh, although two of them were, uh, were Cheltenham Festival winners from uh, last season, that it was, a, it was a disappointing turnout. And I think that in future I would change the rule. If you go to a different track, say, right, I'm sorry we're scrapping that, and uh, go from there. There is one. If you want to really think outside the box, there is a, a way whereby you could you could change the prize money, whereby those who were originally in get more if they win, and those who who the Johnny Cun Latelys come in, and they they get less if they win. I know that sounds a bit uh, of a um, an overreaction, perhaps, uh, to that situation, but it's it's a possibility. Uh, owner expenses for going to Fontwell. Keen to get Noel's view on this, but what exactly has been done here, Dave? Yeah, uh, just that um, Fontwell uh, announced this week, uh, uh, an arc track, that they were acting on uh, off their own bat to combat the field sizes in chases, which were disappointing last season. They averaged five runners per chase in 2022. So uh, they are putting up a 300 quid um, expenses uh, to... Trainers who are outside a 120-mile radius of Fontwell to say, if you want to come, we'll give you, we'll, we'll give you 300 quid towards your travelling expenses. Incentive? I think it is an incentive. Um, and well done, Fontwell, for coming up with the idea. Um, for people who are travelling a lot. I think, it, I think it will attract more people to come. And uh, their chase fields have been a bit smaller. So I think it's, it's a good idea for them and, and fair play to them for thinking of it. Would it... With your syndicates, for example, would it would it put you guys off or the ten off, depending on how far they have to travel, or do they? Is it a decision that you guys make, you and Dave make, and or the trainer makes, and they just have to live with it? Well, I think we try to go where we think the right race is for the horse and um, wherever that may be. But uh, if someone's willing to give you a few quid to cover the costs, it makes it even better. You're you're, you're going to take it, whether yeah. or not that would be an incentive to go there over elsewhere, though. Not necessarily. Uh, yeah, we tend to go where the, where the race suits best, but um, like I said, it's, it's definitely an incentive. I expenses are always welcome, aren't they? Dave? They are, but Very I think important. that it's um, uh, we know that the, the 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 difficulty with field sizes. We know that the the the, the solutions to that problem are more wide ranging, uh, and that that the the fixture list is going to have to change. I think, but. In the short term, I think this is a, um, a really good incentive from Fontwell. It goes up until the track's mid, uh, mid-summer break in, in June, but I, I think it's a, it's a welcome initiative. Cheltenham, £7.50 a pint. £7.50 for a pint of Guinness, but the key point here is it's six quid. it was six quid for the snooker, which we, you were at. Yeah, I went to the second semi-final, uh, which was uh, Judd Trump versus Sean Murphy. Uh, which uh, Trump won 6-2, but Murphy threw in a 140 break, so that was always nice to see. Did you have a Guinness? I, I didn't, actually. No, I was, uh, I was driving. But um, I, I went to the bar and, um, <laughs> to, to 
buy a, a sparkling water. And mm. when I when I saw that the Guinness was six quid a pint, I very nearly just weighed in just for uh, my friends and family at those at those, those prices. prices. Yeah. Um, the I, I, the problem is this is a good story. This is a good story. Seven pound fifty at Cheltenham, six pound at a snooker event. But and. I'm going to get pelters for saying this, and I'm not. I'm not on the jockey club payroll, but we're not comparing like with like. That the the bar at in the Centaur on the on the Saturday night when we went was just a straight bar where people. It it, it wasn't. They, they weren't bussing people in from all over. Um, it wasn't done on the same scale as it was at the Cheltenham Festival. So. It, we're really not comparing like with like. You can argue about the discrepancy, one pound fifty. You know, it's is twenty is a twenty five percent increase on six quid. But just to say, oh well, it was six quid at the snooker. It's a good story, this, because it gets lots of people um, interested and it provokes a lot of debate. But for for my experience of being at the centre, it was it was you had just a handful of people serving behind the bar, not bussing in loads of agency staff, which uh, which the jockey club would pay for. Yeah, I, I, on the face of it, it it doesn't look good, does it? But I think when you dig a little bit deeper, um, there might just be valid enough reasons. Yeah, I, I, I really think there are, and uh, you know, one one could go back also to you know. Go to go to Wembley Stadium, go to the O2, and you'll be paying West End prices and more there. But there we go. Let's leave that one for another day. Pint of Heineken in the Parade Ring Bar at Maidan, fifteen pound forty. Yeah. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. You didn't have a second one. No, didn't even have one. Um, GVR results. So um, this was announced in their, their newsletter this week. Uh, there were some positive stories. Uh, there was one fundamentally negative story which people focused on. This was as a result of the money spent on the Everyone's Turf campaign and the targets were to get racecourse attendances up. Yeah. That wasn't achieved. No. What do you think? Um, 1.6 million spent on the campaign. Um, Everyone's Turf was a, 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 a marketing uh, campaign that was launched in June of last year and the aim was uh, to get the figures for Q3 which is like the what's that July August and September yeah, yeah um, up to the the 1.95 million through the turnstiles from the from pre-COVID 2019 it, it didn't get there it got to 1.62 uh, which is about 83 percent now uh, Great British Racing acknowledged that, you know, it hadn't uh, reached its target, pointed to the cost of living crisis, which I certainly don't think is an invalid consideration. I think our own government does it a fair bit when they talk about the economic performance of the country and they point to COVID rather than Brexit. And I think that the, the cost of living crisis is there. It, it, it was a decent way out in in uh, in explaining those figures. There, there, were, there, there were some bits of good news. Um, 10 million people in 2019 said they would be prepared, they were thinking about going racing. That's gone up to 12.9 million. My, 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 uh, I, one thing that Ireland do really well, I think, is uh, they involve, they have really good campaigns for students. And just one thing I would say, I don't know whether Jermaine Jenis likes horse racing or not, but I, I love watching um, or, or in, engaging with famous people who love horse racing. Emma Banks loves horse racing. Um, who's the doctor with the, the big... Martin Clunes. 
right? Mm. He, well, he he did a program about horses and about horse yeah. racing. He's heavily involved with uh, Greatwood, I think, is he? Or one yeah. charity? Yeah, and, and there's there's no there's no sort of there's nothing phony or airsats about those people saying I love I love horse r racing and I love horses. And I think when you look further outside to celebrity and you're paying people, as I say, I don't know whether what Jermaine Genesis' views are about racing, but I think if you get someone who is really into it, like the, the mm. people that I've just mentioned, that has a very genuine and believable ring about it. Sorry to go on, I'm not... I'm not. That's fine. One thing I would say is, is be, the experience of being at Cheltenham yesterday was um, whatever attendances were in, in Q3, as a day on its own, you walk in and out of Cheltenham thinking racing's in a pretty good place. But that's one day on its own. Vaccination rules, Noel. This off the back of... Um, Noble Yates not being allowed to run in the Fleur de Lis because his vac vaccinations, for all they were they were administered correctly and up to date, they weren't on the records up to date. Um, there's been a change brought in whereby you effectively have up until 9am the day after entries closed, having been notified if your vaccination status isn't correct uh, by the BHA via email to, to amend that. So it's effectively given trainers an extra 24 hours to make sure everything's all right and you will be notified via email. So we avoid this. Um, but that's got to be a sensible thing, hasn't it? It's got to be a good yeah. thing. I think, I think all the trainers in the UK were well notified all winter that this was happening in January. Um, Paul Nicholas has prob probably done it for years in January. Um, and they've all had to do it now. I think it's probably a fairly level playing field. Everyone's doing it in January now. And... Um, I think, yeah, I think they'd be fairly well notified. It is, you're right, it's suddenly January, it was, this is for the flu vaccinations, I know, but it, it, it was the sort of, I know other people did it, but it was always known really as the, the time Paul Nichols did it, but everyone seems to do it now. Um, the NTF have been very positive, and Paul Johnson's come out and very positive about discussions with the BHA saying they've listened, and effectively, this should be all but avoided going forward. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a good thing. As Noel said, um, trainers were well notified about how this procedure was going to work um, the truth of it is that although they had lots of prior knowledge it was an imperfect procedure I think that's right what Robert Whaley Cohen the owner of Noble Yates said about it's a bit like booking a flight and then turning up at the plane and they and they're saying like sorry your 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 paperwork uh, we can't let you on the plane I, th I thought that was a, a fair way of illustrating it um, four marks the BHA they have listened to the concerns of the uh, trainers, and I think that th this is uh, it was in the end, of course, the Fleur de Lis chase didn't take place because it was uh, frosted off. But yeah. at least in the future, uh, this sort of um, difficulty whereby a, a nascent race would have had a real star name attached to it a Gold Cup third favourite, a Grand National winner of last year that situation won't arise in the future, we hope. The Goffs Thiestes chase on Thursday had 18 runners. Uh, only six of them didn't come from Gordon Elliott or Willie Mullins' yard. Nine from Elliott, three from Willie Mullins. It was won by Willie Mullins. The best finisher uh, from away from those yards finished in, in fifth. It was Barry Connell's horse. What, what do you think about that? Is, that? is that not good for the health of Irish racing? It probably doesn't look great for, the, for Irish racing, um, but then uh, you can't really fault the, the two trainers involved, Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott. They... They're very, very powerful yards. They've been buying the best horses. They've got the best owners, uh, and they have a lot of horses that are, you know, good enough and eligible to run that race. So, I'm not sure, apart from restricting how many how many horses and a trainer can run in a race, how else you can do it. But then, 
if, it, if you're the owner that has a horse good enough to run the train by them and the trainer's only allowed to run so many, your horse has to lose out. It's probably not ideal from an owner's point of view, but uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one. But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not the two trainers' fault, anyway. If the right horses are showing up for the race, do you, do you care where they come from, Dave? Um, yes, I do, personally. I don't, th I, I don't like the look of it. Um, not from an integrity point of view. I just think from uh, the point of view of, you know, sp sport is better for, for broader competition. But the, the problem with this, and, I, you know, I, I've spoken before about, you know, however many runners Aidan O'Brien has in the derby. It's, it's, not a, it's not a satisfactory situation. This week we had a turkey voting for Christmas in that... Um, Patrick Mullins said, I don't see that as satisfactory. Well, <laughs> you know, that was something of a surprise coming uh, from the son of Willie Mullins. But I think that at all costs we have to... It doesn't look great, I don't like it, but at all costs we have to... We have to... Uh, we have to go against the idea of, of restriction. You can't have a horse that didn't win the Derby because Aidan O'Brien was limited to four, and that wasn't in the thing. That you know, the, the wings horses like Wings of Eagles uh, win that race, and the same goes for uh, the marquee races over over jumps too. As, as Noel says, if you if you're an owner and you've got the the horse who's six on the list who if he were anywhere else would be able to run in that race and someone tells it's, you yes the owner that will suffer that's that's yeah. that's just a, a an impossible situation it, it's it's a real negative this but the alternative in my view is much much worse seven talking points done and dusted